The UAE property market is buoyant once again after changes to mortgage rules and new visa programs for expatriate retirees and foreign investors boosted sentiment in the sector. Dubai property transactions hit their highest level since 2010 in the first quarter of this year, according to ValueStrat. The positivity in the market is encouraging many first-time buyers to snap up a home at a time when prices are still affordable and interest rates remain low. But with many residents in the UAE still choosing to rent, how do they decide which is the most cost-effective option over the long term? While renters can walk away without the worry of clearing a mortgage, they also lose the money they have paid to a landlord during their time in a property. In turn, for buyers looking to get onto the property ladder, raising a deposit can be a big financial challenge. And is buy to let a good middle ground between renting and buying? Welcome to Pocketful of Dirhams. I'm Alice Hain, and joining me today is Ben Crompton, Managing Partner of Crompton Partners Abu Dhabi, who will guide listeners through the different options. Before we start, please do subscribe to Pocketful of Dirhams to receive the latest episodes. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Now, recent years, we've seen the UAE's property market slow, partly due to the oversupply of new homes and also the oil price shakeup. The market then came under further pressure last year from the pandemic. So are you noticing these signs of optimism in the market again? Yes, I think and it's been widely reported in the press and, and, and we see it on the ground that in particular villas and the villa market uh, has seen a lot of interest and, uh, and a lot of new buyers coming into the market and, you know, price increases for the, for the first time in a while. I think apartments are still, you know, there's still quite a bit of pressure on apartments, but certainly, yeah, uh, the, the market for villas is buoyant. And what are the key factors that are driving that optimism? Certainly interest rates have got to be a big factor. Obviously, they, they dropped significantly. The UAE follows the, the dollar peg and so it's followed the, the Federal Reserve in dropping interest rates. Now you can get fixed rates, you know, five-year interest uh, rate offers for you know, around about the 3% mark, which is fantastically low, given that yields on average are around about 6 or 7% in the market. So um, it makes, you know, your, your repayments affordable. Also, you know, they've reduced the loan-to-value ratio only slightly from for expats from 25% to 20%. Slightly, uh, slightly more for UAE nationals. So the amount of money that people are having to come up with, you know, to make that purchase has also been reduced. Uh, so, so those two factors are pretty significant. And I also think that there's a certain amount of sentiment in the market. You know, if people have survived, you know, this far into the pandemic, you know, they, they're going to be reasonably secure of their jobs and therefore, you know, are going to um, be more confident in making a purchase in the UAE, which, you know, for many of us isn't you know, going to be our forever home. So is it mainly interest from buyers based in the UAE or have you also seen interest from overseas investors, perhaps those who've been encouraged by the UAE's resilience during the crisis, as well as all the visa changes that have come in? I would say from us, it's mostly people based in the UAE, um, the the familiarity with the market. I think there will be more interest from overseas buyers as time goes on, but everyone's sort of dealing with the pandemic in their own way and sort of looking to themselves um, you know, India is a great example. There's a huge number of buyers traditionally in Dubai from India, but obviously India you know, are dealing with the pandemic right now, and that's, that's occupying people's thoughts. I can only also I can only talk from the perspective of Abu Dhabi. Um, Dubai is a little bit more international in its uh, in its buyer base, uh, but from from Abu Dhabi, we're mostly seeing a lot of end users. 
a huge amount of end users, and actually um, Western expatriates coming back to the market who've been away for, for the last four or five years. The buyers have been predominantly UAE nationals, but we're now seeing Western expatriates come back, you know, and possibly bringing, you know, funds from abroad to, to fund that. But yeah, mostly people who are, who are residents, to be honest. And many residents actually choose to rent rather than buy, and that's particularly expatriates who perhaps think they're only going to be in the UAE for a short time. So, But the thing is, I suppose you and I both know, Ben, that the two-year stint can often lengthen quite fast to 5, 10, 15 or more years. So what's the best strategy for those over the long term? Should they buy or should they rent? It's going to be an individual choice. I came out here on a, on a three-month stint and, you know, this is my 12th year. So, you know, exactly as you say, uh, it, it can lengthen. We'd recommend that, you know, people with... with um, Stability and job security. Once you have that, and you're not and you're not here for that kind of two year time horizon, then you should definitely start uh, to look to buy. Even, I mean, if you run the numbers, and, and we do right now, uh, the cost the cost of buying in Abu Dhabi is actually relatively cheap as a percentage of the property. Broker fees about two percent, transfer fees about two percent. So it's about four percent of the value of the property. So you can easily say, okay, you know, at what point do I get that four percent back? You know, in terms of my savings, and uh, and when you do that calculation, you can see at what point it makes sense to buy. You know, wherever you are, really, you just got to take into account the cost of buying, and then the savings on your rent, and then the calculation is relatively straightforward. And in, in Abu Dhabi, it's about a year and a half now, but there's obviously a, a hassle to buying. You know, it's a, it's an investment, and so if you're not intending to hang around, I'd say more than two or three years, it probably doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you start to see that time horizon lengthen, then certainly it should be something you should be at least looking at. Now you've said in the past that buying property can almost halve your rent. So can you talk me through the numbers? How does that actually work out? Yes. So um, buying can, you know, right now because of the interest rates, more than halve your rent. And a good example that, that I often use is a property of about a million dirhams. You're probably going to be renting it for about 70 to 75,000 dirhams there. If you look at a mortgage for 25 years at 3%, then your bank repayments are going to be around about 50,000 dirhams, your total bank repayments. So if you take that away from your rent, which is 70,000 dirhams, that's a 20,000 dirham saving right there. Now, um, if you also include the principal, so the amount that you're actually paying off the loan, which would be around about 25,000 dirhams. So your actual physical saving on the, on the cash payment is 20 dirhams, 20,000 dirhams. Your payment off of the loan, which of course you get back at the end once you sell your property, is 25,000 dirhams. You can see that you're saving almost 55,000 dirhams there. And your actual interest payment to the bank is about 25,000 dirhams. So you're, you're saving an enormous amount of money. You were paying 75,000 dirhams rent. You're now paying 25,000 dirhams interest to the bank. You know, that's that's now these days with those low interest rates, a 60 to 65 percent saving on your actual outlay. Now, there are additional costs that a, that a homeowner would have, service charges being the big one, but maintenance as well, which would uh, which would need to factor into that. But the actual amount that you save when buying you know, it is now quite enormous. And at the end of it, you've actually got an asset that you can sell. Yes, yes. And, you know, assuming that that asset, you know, when you're looking at this, you shouldn't really look at the appreciation of that asset, even if you sell it for what you buy it for. You know, um, 
it's uh, it, it should save you money. I mean, capital appreciation is, a, is is another side to it. But if you're just thinking about rent and rental saving, yeah, I mean, if you sell it for what you buy, yeah, you, you still save a lot of money. The only problem is you've still got to raise a deposit, and that's still quite a lot of money. You know, if it's if it's a million dirham property and you've got to put down twenty percent, that's still two hundred thousand dirhams. That can take people some years to to find that deposit. So, what, what's how should they sort of work towards that goal? That's true um, here as it is in many countries. Now, <clears throat> you know, we're, we're from the UK, so normally the bank of mum and dad might come to the rescue if you don't have the savings yourself. Um, where you, you get the you get uh, the deposit from your parents, but obviously you know if you're here and, and you know you're not expecting anyone to help you out, then you just need to save. Unfortunately, it's just uh, just one of those things. You just need to save, and yes, the deposits at twenty percent loan to value, you know, are pretty it's a chunky here. You know, it tends to be a little bit higher here than in, than in many other jurisdictions. And those are rules the government brought in to, to, to preserve, you know, banks' capital, you know, when the market was struggling. And the, the government are comfortable with that level of security now. It'd be interesting if they change it in the future. Obviously, they dropped it by 5,000 during the pandemic. But, yeah, you will need to save for that deposit. You can't borrow that deposit from a bank. And would you say that a mortgage is a cost-effective move because you're, you're leveraging that, that kind of purchase? Yeah, I mean, l- leverage works very well for you if your property appreciates and it, and it obviously works badly for you in the other direction. The good thing about and, and you know, people are very rightly wary of leverage in particular when it comes to stocks and shares. You know, people have used leverage then. You know, there have been a couple of blobs recently where people have been over leveraged. And if, and if the price drops, you know, you get margin calls or, you, or it drops to zero and, you, and it can cause, you know, economic catastrophe now the good thing about a property is it never drops to zero so as long as you maintain your bank repayments you know and you control when you sell you know you shouldn't have to sell so um, properties are very good in that way you can leverage them and even if they go down as long as you can hang on to them and you're not you know forced to sell in any way um, then you can hold them through the cycle and then, you know, if you hold them long enough, they'll start to appreciate it again. And then leverage works in your favor because, you know, property, unless you're in a war zone, never drops to zero. So it's actually one of the safest assets to leverage, you know, particularly when compared to stocks, shares, you know, digital currencies, other things. There are still risks with buying. I mean, you you, you have the, the fact that you've got to pay the mortgage and, and if you lose your job, that might be in, at risk. And also, you know, property can be quite expensive to maintain. Things go wrong. You, you might have a big bill or a flood, et cetera. So, I mean, people need to consider that as well when they're thinking about buying a property in the UAE, particularly if they're not sure about buying or renting. Yeah. I mean, I would say if you do lose your job or you're, I mean, the big one is people lose your job and you're forced to leave the country. What happens then? Um, as long as, you know, you've got a property that you can leave with a property manager here and rent out, then you can still, you know, keep up your bank repayments. The problem comes when, you know, rent doesn't cover bank repayments and you then need to, you know, find funds elsewhere. And also, I would always recommend that any property owner gets insurance for their property so that if, you know, there is a big flood or something, you know, happens at, God forbid, a fire or something like that, that um, those repairs are covered. You know, so you're not having to, you know, dig into your cash reserves, you know, to pay that or borrow money to to, to pay for those repairs. And what about renting? I mean, when is it 
a better idea to rent than buy? I mean, obviously the, the obvious one is if you're really going to be here for a short time, like a few months, but why else would renting be a good idea? Renting offers flexibility. If uh, let's say, you know, you're planning a family, you know, maybe you don't want to buy, you know, a, a one bed now because you're planning to have a family in the next year or two. So you might, you know, want to upgrade then. So maybe renting, you know, now is a good idea. You're not sure exactly where you want to live. You know, um, you can, you can try and rent, you know, in different areas. If you're in Dubai, maybe you want to try the marina before you move out, you know, to downtown or something like that. Um, it offers an awful lot, awful lot of flexibility. And of course, if you don't have the deposit, you, know, uh, you don't have that option. Also, some people's jobs um, pay them a housing allowance, but only if they rent. That's also something that, that might be taken into account. Yeah, and of course, if you if you feel that your job is a little bit insecure uh, for whatever reason, maybe you're a contract worker, or you know, maybe your company's going through some restructuring. That's again, you know, renting gives you that flexibility to you know terminate your lease and move somewhere else. And what would you say to people that have been in the UAE for a long time and they haven't bought because they think the market is unstable? What would your your approach to them be? The market isn't unstable, but it is volatile. Uh, the UAE has a has an extremely unusual market that you, that you don't really see anywhere else in the world, where eighty percent of the population are migrant workers. So it has incredible population elasticity. When jobs disappear, the population drops significantly as people go home. But when jobs are created, the population expands massively. You know, as people come in to fill those. So the the, the market isn't unstable, but it is volatile. And so what I would, would say to people is make sure that uh, when you buy somewhere, you make you understand by how much your property can drop before it puts you under financial stress. Or uh, let's say if you're buying an investment property, for example, how much the rent you know, in that property will drop before you need to pay in you know, to the bank. Because the UAE property market, like, like every property market in the world, goes through cycles. Now, we've been on our own little you know, independent cycle since 2015 due to the oil crash where you know, property has been on the slide in terms of valuations. So um, people have had to, you know, homeowners have been put under quite a lot of stress there by falling rents and falling valuations. So, yeah, but we would expect, you know, and this may be the beginning of it in 2021, we would expect the cycle to turn up again, you know, at some point in the future. So again, um, property is a great investment as long as you never have, you are never forced to sell because if you're forced to sell, you can make a loss. So, you know, understand your financial position, understand the returns from your property and understand, you know, and make a very clear decision at what point will the valuation of the rent have to drop before I'm forced to sell. You know, if that's too close to the current valuation, then maybe it's not a good investment for you. And if someone does go into the buy to let option, that can be a kind of middle ground in a way between renting and buying, because you, if, let's say you can't raise a deposit, for example, you could raise a smaller deposit and buy a buy to let. And that gets you onto the property ladder, possibly for the future, for being able to afford a family home, for example. Yeah. I mean, if, if buy to lets are structured well, they can be a great middle option. Um, what you end up doing is paying a higher rent than you would normally in the market but then have a portion of that rent then sort of put towards the deposit. Now, people need to read the fine print very carefully on buy to let because um, obviously people who are selling those developers, they're selling them for a reason. Either they can't sell those properties in the normal market and realize 100% of what they're looking for, or they're actually looking to make you know more, more of a profit 
by you know, selling it via to let, in which case they're going to be making more money from those buyers. So it can be more expensive to go into a buy to let. But as you say, if you want to buy and you don't have a deposit, it might be the only option for you. Um, so uh, read the small print very carefully and, uh, and uh, do, do your own calculations. And what about buying something as investment property? Because that, that would then help you build up some capital and you could buy something a bit smaller and put down a smaller deposit, but then that will help you build some capital. So maybe in the future, you can then buy a family home. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, we have this concept in, in the UK, a lot about being on the property ladder. What that means is, you know, you, you buy a property so that um, in particular, if it's an appreciating property market, obviously, if you're not, if you're trying to save, property is getting more expensive, you can be left behind. But if you buy something small, rent it out as an investment, that small property is appreciating along with the market. And, you know, you're renting it out and getting an income from that, hopefully paying down your mortgage. So, so yeah, that will, that will allow you in the future in an, in an appreciating market um, to sell that, realize your gain, and then, and then have that as a deposit for a larger property. That's certainly a very sensible approach. And what about the, the choice between buying off plan or buying something ready built? What, what would you advise there? Buy, buying off plan is is fundamentally, and I don't want to use this, this word in a, in, a, in a negative context, but it's speculative. So you're basically, you want to look at the market and say, okay, if I buy this you know, off plan now, <clears throat> it should be offered to you at a discount. The developer will be offering it to you at a discount to market because you know, you're not going to receive that property you know, for three years. And you're going to say, okay, in three years' time, you know, where's the market going to be? Is it going to be up or is it going to be down? If it's up, obviously, it's a great investment. And to a certain extent, because you're, because you're paying it in installments, you're using leverage. But if it's going to be down, obviously, none of us can really predict the market. You know, uh, we'd, we'd all be millionaires. Um, you know, then you, you end up with a property that's worth less than what you paid for it. And someone will come to you as they hand it to you and say, can I have the balance of 80%? And you know that you're being you're overpaying for this property. So um, it's a good way to pay in installments if you don't have the deposit. But certainly you need to have an eye on what is you know, this building going to look like? What is the area it's going to be in? And what is the market going to be like when this is handed over? A good example now in, in Abu Dhabi is we have a bit of a shortage of villas. We don't have many villas under construction right now. And there's a couple of villa off-plan uh, projects being sold. And when you look at you know, the, the current supply and those locations, you know, it gives you a good idea, okay, you know, should I be buying a villa now that I'll receive in three years' time? So um, it is a little bit of a more speculative investment because you can't see and touch and get rent from you know, what you're buying now. So it's something that people need to be a little bit more careful about and really look at that, okay, in three years' time, you know, what's this, this area in particular and the market going to look like? You've got to be looking ahead all the time. So for someone who's, let's say, a year into their life in the UAE, I mean, what should they be thinking? When should they really make that leap to buying rather than renting? Yeah, I think they should be investigating it. But And again, obviously, it's a personal um, choice as to people's circumstances. But if you have the deposit and you, and you look at your future in the UAE and it, and it is, you know, mid-medium term in the UAE, a lot of people say, well, you know, you've got to be here five years you know, for it to make sense to buy. Actually, when you run the numbers, the cost of buying is very cheap in the UAE. So you can actually make it you know, work financially, even sort of over a two-year time horizon. But there is the 
the, the, the FAF and, and the work. So really, if you're looking at you know, a two or three year time horizon, then certainly it makes sense to buy. And in particular, when you think about it, even if you leave the UAE, it's a fantastic place to have property because there's no tax on income. It's a dollar peg. There's no capital gains tax when you sell it. And you, you constantly have a lot of people coming into the UAE looking to rent property. So it can be a very good investment, even if you think, okay, I'm going to leave the UAE in, in, a, in a couple of years' time. But, you know, I can leave it with a property manager here. They can rent it out. I can get my tax-free returns back to my home country and sell it when the time comes, hopefully make a profit and not pay tax on that profit either. So to summarise, over the long term, which is the most cost-effective option, renting or buying? <laughs> uh, buying by a long way. That's great. Thank you very much for joining us today, Ben. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Thank you this week to Ben Crompton. If you would like advice on your personal finance issues, you can write to me on pf at thenational.ae. And remember that PF stands for personal finance. Please do subscribe to the podcast in your podcasting app to receive weekly updates. And also leave us a review so we know what you think. This episode was produced by Aisha Khan and Arthur Edison. I've been your host, Alice Hayne.